Oh, I'm so excited about the message today. I, I can't wait to share this message out of Genesis 39. If you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and open with me to 39, 1 through 6. Just want to take a moment to thank our praise team, our orchestra, our band, our choir, and man, that was just a fantastic time of praise and worship. And so thank you guys. Y'all did a great job. Man, excellent, excellent. Makes me want to preach. Makes me want to preach long, you know what I'm saying. So, so we, we may let you out a little later today. I just got a lot on my mind, got a lot on my heart. I want to share this, this message with you. It says, the Lord was with Joseph. Now, three times in chapter 39 of Genesis, it makes that very strong declarative statement, simple statement, the Lord was with Joseph. Now, 39.1 says, now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Remember last week, he was thrown in the pit in Dothan. The Ishmaelites came on their journey to Egypt. They sold him as a slave. He, he traveled many days from Dothan, went south into Egypt. Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him. He was 17 years of age. True story. This is the way they did it thousands of years ago. They put him in a pit. They transported him to Egypt. Potiphar, who is the, by the way, he is the chief executioner, captain of the bodyguard for Pharaoh. He's large and in charge. He is a man's man. He is a tough hombre. He is a, he is a, he's a big bad dude, all right? Chief executioner is Potiphar. And he buys Joseph, 17-year-old Hebrew, from the Ishmaelites who had taken him down to Egypt. Oh, do y'all see what I'm looking at, verse 2? Let's read it together. The Lord was with Joseph. Okay, here one more time now. Wake up. Woo-hoo-hoo. Here we go. The Lord was with Joseph. Now, whenever your Bible has capital L-O-R-D, that's big stuff. Uh, that's Yahweh, that's Jehovah. Now, when it's L-O-R-D, little L, I mean, excuse me, big L, little O-R-D, that's Adonai, and that's Lord and Master. But when it's L-O-R-D, he's talking about Jehovah, the God who intervenes, the God who redeems, the God who shows His great might on behalf of His people, Jehovah. He was with Joseph, and Joseph was a successful young man. And by the way, when the Lord is with you, that happens. You get blessed. You have success. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. The master of the house of the Egyptian, his name starts with a P. What was his name? Potiphar. He was large and? Amen. Y'all are listening. Amen. And his master, Potiphar, saw that the Lord was with him. That's the second time. The second time of three times in chapter three, uh, 39, the Lord was with him, and the Lord made all that Joseph did to prosper in his hand. Y'all are looking at me going, wait a minute. Brother Danny, is that the same Joseph who was betrayed by his brothers, thrown into a pit, transported, roughly we may uh, presuppose, uh, pretty, pretty tough journey for a Hebrew slave, and you're, you're, you're telling me that he has landed on his feet? You're telling me that, 
he has prospered. You, you're telling me that good things are, are happening to Joseph? That's exactly what I'm telling you because when the Lord is with you, things change. Things begin to happen. Things begin to turn in your favor. So Joseph found favor in Potiphar's sight, and he served him. He served him. Then he made him overseer of his house. And all that he had, make sure you understand the pronouns here, and all that Potiphar had, Potiphar put in Joseph's authority. So it was. From the time that he had made him overseer of his house, and all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptians. This is almost funny to me. I think sometimes the Bible's comical, and I think we just miss it. The Lord is going to bless the Egyptian's house only because of Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was on all that he, Potiphar, had in the house and in the field. Thus, that's a big word, thus, therefore, as a result of the favor of God, the blessing of God, the faithfulness of Joseph, the servant heart of Joseph, being overseer of all of Potiphar's house, that he left everything that he had in the hand of a 17-year-old slave child who was sent by his mean, jealous brothers, sold into slavery for a hundred and forty-five dollars. Isn't that amazing? They got $145 from Joseph, went to Jacob, said, oh, we're so sorry, Dad, but that sweet little precious boy, Joseph, you love so much, you bought him a tunic of many colors. Oh, he was so sweet, wasn't he? Well, he's no longer with us. He's dead. And they ripped him apart, the wild animals did, and here's his tunic. You know that tunic, multicolored, multifaceted tunic of your favorite? Well, he's dead. Well, he ain't dead. Listen, he's not going to die till God is through with him. Hey, you're not going to die until God is through with you. That's a good word. Thus he left all that he had in Joseph's hand. And Potiphar didn't even know what he had except for the bread which he ate. Now I love this little part right here. This is, this is so cool. This is just God. Joseph was a cutie, all right? Joseph was a handsome fellow. He was handsome in form. Y'all with me? Form, form, okay? Well, for me, form, here we go, form and appearance. And the reason that's so important is because you segue into Joseph and Potiphar's wife. Potiphar's wife is going to cast a longing eye toward Joseph. This is really funny because next week is Mother's Day. <laughs> yeah, I just want y'all to know, I didn't, have, I didn't have it in me to preach on Potiphar's wife on Mother's Day. I just didn't. And so I, I was in here in the office yesterday. Was, what was yesterday? Saturday. Yeah, I was in the office yesterday working, but also Friday. Friday was when I was really working, and I was working on this new sermon because I just didn't have it in me 
to preach on Potiphar, an immoral, ungodly woman. And so we'll, we'll pick her back up in two weeks. Is that okay? Okay, good. When God is with you. He, he, some say he's the best president. Some say he's the worst president. Whenever you mention the name Abraham Lincoln, it evokes praise. And it evokes, no, not, not so much. Having read a couple of biographies on Abraham Lincoln, I, I can certainly find things whereby he is praiseworthy. For example, the thing I learned about Abraham Lincoln was failure never had to be final. Failure never had to be final. Born in Kentucky, raised in um, poverty, was a rail splitter at, at one time, worked hard work, all six foot four of him, hard working young man, teenager. Went into business in 1831 and it failed miserably. In 1832, he was defeated for legislator. 1833, he again <laughs> failed in his business. In 1834, he was elected to the legislator, which was pretty amazing. 1835, his heart was broken when the woman he loved died. 1836, he had a nervous breakdown. 1838, he was defeated for Speaker of the House. In 1840, he was defeated for Elector. 1843, he was defeated for Congress. But whoa, and lo, and behold, 1846, he was elected to Congress. 1848, he was defeated for Congress. 1855, he was defeated for the Senate. 1856, he was defeated for the Vice President. And 1850, you'd think he'd just give up, you know? Just quit. But in 1858, he was defeated for the Senate. And lo and behold, in 1860... Yeah, he was elected as the president, the 16th president of the United States. And when you read his life, you, you, you would have to, you need, I know many of you, you've told me, <laughs> you disagree with Abraham Lincoln, and, but yet you would have to at least agree with this. This guy had some intestinal fortitude about him. He, he did not accept failure as final, and neither did Joseph. Joseph could have said, I'm done, I'm doomed I am in a pit. My own flesh and blood have betrayed me. Now I'm going down to Egypt. Who knows what's going to happen to me in Egypt? And he could have just said, oh, I just quit. I just give up. But he didn't. I can't, I wasn't there. I, you weren't there. The Bible doesn't even tell us the caravan, the ride from Dothan to Egypt. But in my mind, I believe Joseph was calling out to God. He was saying, God, have mercy on me. God, please deliver me. God, I, I, my life is at stake. God, please remember me. So today, what we're going to look at is when God is with somebody, what happens? When God is with someone, I want to give you four characteristics from our text, four traits, four salient features of a person, be it a man, a woman, a teenager, a student, a single adult, whoever you are, a senior adult. When God is with you, when the hand and the favor of God resides upon your life, here are four things that are going to be true of you. Number one, you're going to know God. You're going to know Him. Joseph knew God. His daddy knew Him. Jacob knew Him. His granddaddy knew Him. Isaac knew Him. And his great-grandfather, Abraham, definitely knew Him because Genesis 15, 6 and Galatians 3, 8 say the same thing. It says, and I quote, Genesis 15, 6, and Abraham believed in the Lord, and it was imputed to him 
for righteousness. Joseph has that lineage. Joseph in that posterity. He knows the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And by the way, it's not a presumptuous, audacious thing to say that Joseph knew God, and so can you. God is knowable. God wants to be known by us, His his creatures. I know God. I love God. I've known God in a general way since I was six or seven years of age. When my mom would take me to vacation by vacation, Bible school is here. Da 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 da. I, I still remember that. By the way, VBS come a long way. I mean, it's come a long way when this 51-year-old was in VBS. And I, I knew God. I knew of God. I didn't know God personally until I was a university student, a sophomore. That's when my world got rocked, and God really, re- really came into my heart and my life, and, and I began a relationship with Him. Some of you are asking. Go ahead and ask it. I know you're thinking it. If Joseph knows God What in the world is he doing in a pit? Would you please explain that for me? Why is it when people know God, I mean, all hell breaks loose on them. Hey, listen, if you're here today and you don't know God, let me just warn you, if you come to know God, all hell's going to break loose on you. Because the devil's going to target you. Listen, by the way, you're with him right now. But when you abandon Him and you embrace Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and Lord, I'm telling you, the enemy gets his, his bow, he gets his rifle, he gets his dagger, and he comes after you because you have transferred allegiance to worshiping yourself and Him. Now you're worshiping God, and it gets intense. Welcome to the family of God. <laughs> That's part of it. Nobody told you that. Somebody ought to have told you that. You say, well, brother, you give the invitation. I ain't coming forward. I don't want to know God. All hell going to break loose on me. I don't want none of that. No, no, yeah, you do. Because you're really not living till you know God. And man, when you know Him, it's awesome. You know Him, and He knows you. And you're the apple of His eye cherishes you in his heart. And he loves you so much, he lets you go through pits. He lets you go through defeat. He'll even let you go through death. When you die, and we're all going to die, when you die, I hope your epitaph will read, she knew God. He loved God. It was, it was a hard day for me in 1999 when Payne Stewart died. He was one of my favorite athletes. He was a professional golfer. He was 42 years of age. He took a flight with some of his Christian businessmen and the, the, the pressure in the, in the cabinet, something went deadly wrong, fatally wrong, and all four of those men died and they crashed in a plane. 
just a week before he died, he gave $500,000 to the First Baptist Church of Orlando, Florida. That was his church. He loved his church. He would have his WWJD bracelet. Remember those? Remember those? What would Jesus do? He had that bracelet. He loved his wife, Tracy. Loved his two daughters. Loved his son. But here's the thing about Payne Stewart. When God really got a hold of him, he, he basically wouldn't shut up. He just kept talking to his golfing buddies. No, he'd say, no, 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 really. I used to be a wild, wild guy. And I met Tracy, and God used Tracy. And, but I, I'm telling you, God really saved me, and God changed me. Do you know God? That's what he'd do. He'd start witnessing, talking to people. And at his funeral, at his funeral, I'm watching it on TV. And my friend, Dr. Jim Henry, is preaching the funeral of of Payne Stewart and Jack Nicholas is over here and Tiger Woods is over there and um, all these celebrities have come because Payne Stewart was so well loved and, and Tracy, his wife, said these words. He was the most beautiful man I ever knew. And that's sweet. You don't normally say that about a guy, do you? No, she says, no, you don't understand. He was the most beautiful man I ever knew and I loved him dearly. He lived to be missed. When you know God, sometimes you go through the storm. In the eye of the storm, you remain in control. In the middle of the war, you guard my soul. You alone are the anchor. When the storms are strong, you surround me in the eye of the storm. That's God. He, he, he knows you. He loves you. And let, let me just tell you something. When you know God, when your plane crashes, and when you die, check this out. As soon as you die, boom, you're in the presence of God. That'll make a Baptocostal out of you. You know what I'm saying? That, that'll, that'll make you do a little jig. Listen, guys, when you die and you know God, you go straight into the presence of Almighty God. You're in heaven. Isn't that awesome? That's worth all the hell Satan throws at you and puts on, puts on you when you know him. Number two, you say, how many of these you got, brother? I've got 15 of them. How about that? But we're only going to look at four. Some of you going, good, because I'm hungry. Number two, you serve others. Verse four in the Hebrew, it says, Sharath, that Joseph, in verse four, Joseph found favor in his sight and he sharathed him. He served Potiphar. The, the word means to attend as a domestic servant, to be servile. It means to be very lowly and it means to contribute. Literally, it means to wait on another. And Joseph knows God and he shines where he is and he serves. Um, true, I understand. He, he's employed, and back then, if you didn't serve, you get decapitated. You know, you're not going to serve? Okay, we're going to kill you, you teenager. But he served, and he did it in such a way that, man, people are like, look at Joseph. I mean, God's favors on him. He serves. He, he works so hard, and he, he reminds me of Colossians 3, 23, one of my favorite verses. It says, whatever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord and not unto men. Charlie Tremendous Jones, I like this guy, he said, the difference between success and failure is that successful people 
make themselves do what they hate to do. Boy, that, that's good. I want to read that again. Now, he died in 2008, and he was one of those, what do you call them, um, motivational speakers like Zig Ziglar. He said, the difference between success and failure is that successful people do what they don't want to do. In fact, they hate to do it, but failures, they wait for their manager to make them do it, or they wait for their manager to do it for, for them, not Joseph. He, he just had that proclivity and that proactive spirit about him that he was going to serve Potiphar, and he was going to serve him well, by, by, by the way, all great people are servants. All great people are servants. And I don't care if your name's Donald Trump. I don't care who you are. If you're not a servant, you're not fit to lead. You're not fit to lead a nation. You're not fit to lead a anything if you are not a humble servant of God. Save your emails. It's okay. You don't, you don't need to email me. You don't need to text me, because I'm right. <clears throat> Howard Hendricks, speaking of politics, he said, I was uh, ministering in the Fourth Presbyterian Church in Washington, D.C. We had a Thursday morning breakfast. It started at 6.30. Ah, oh, dark 30. You have to love the Lord to get up at 6.30 go to a prayer breakfast. I'm telling you. And so he, he's there, and he's ministering. He's teaching Howard Hendricks, wonderful teacher. Fifty years he taught at Dallas Theological Seminary. He said, boy, there were many people at this breakfast. I'm talking about military brass, people in high, friends in high places. I mean, he had friends in high places. I mean, they are up there. And, man, he's like, wow, look at these people. Then he said, I looked over to my right. And there was a senator, Mark Hatfield was his name, and he was stacking chairs and picking up napkins that had fallen to the floor. Come now. A United States senator stacking chairs and picking up napkins that had fallen to the floor. And Howard Hendricks says, ladies and gentlemen, if I may, if you are impressed that you are a United States senator and you don't stack chairs and you don't pick up napkins... But if you are impressed that you are God's gift to the body of Christ, you stoop and you serve. If you are really impressed that you're the greatest thing that ever happened to your local church, you do not serve. You live to be served. And some of you are like that at Great Hills. I've, I've seen you. I've been here about six years now. Some of y'all just like, give it to me. Just serve me. But many of you aren't like that. Many of you, I don't know if y'all read my article in the newsletter. Some of y'all, well, brother, if it was a little shorter, I'd read. I'm sorry, it's like that long. But I started the whole first paragraph, and I just called some of you out. I said, the following people are lazy reprobates. <laughs> and I listed you. Oh, I'm just kidding. You know, I, you know I wouldn't do that. How many of y'all read the newsletter? Let me see your hand. Oh, more than I realized. I just started listing names. I just started putting people's names down that came to my mind who are servants of God. And I just want y'all to know you are great in my eyes. From Cindy Asmussen going down to the Capitol and dealing with those 
politicians. I was talking to somebody the other day. They said, bless her heart. And I was like, yeah, amen. Bless her heart. She's a champion. She is strong. Think about James and Barbara Cross ministering to people. And what my mom died of, I'll tell you, there's a place in my heart for people that do that. Minister to people with dementia. You ever try to minister to somebody with dementia and, and Alzheimer's? It's rough. You, you don't know what they're going to do. And, and there's James and Barbara and Charles. And they, they got a whole army of people in there. Who else can I think of while I'm just, just thinking of it? Aaron Estes. Bless his soul. Aaron, are you here today? Man, this guy... Hey, Aaron, come here just a second. Let me, let me just brag on you for just a minute. Would you stand up for just a second? Aaron just joined our church not long ago. His dad's a pastor, wonderful man of God. And Aaron's a, a guitar like you, plays instruments, Sean. And, and he now leads worship for our college ministry and for our student ministry. He just stepped up and started serving. God bless you, brother. Thank you. Thank you for doing that. Helen Keller said this. She said, I long to accomplish great and noble tasks. But it is my chief duty. Y'all know who she is, by the way, don't you? Blind, deaf, mute, okay? She says, I long to accomplish a great and noble task, but it is my chief duty and joy to accomplish humble tasks as though they were great and noble. Look at this statement. This is awesome. For the world is moved along not by the mighty shoves of its heroes, but by the aggregate of tiny pushes of each honest worker, end of quote. When the Lord is with you, and the Lord was with Joseph, and Joseph served. That's how I know you're the real deal, is because you serve. And you serve the body of Christ, you serve the church. Those 52 people I just mentioned that just joined our church recently, I hope y'all get involved somewhere. I hope you serve. Even if you have to pick up trash. Even, even if it's something very minuscule and menial, just get involved and serve. Don't, don't look for a position to come. Don't try to pursue a position. Just let it come to you. If you're the real deal, we'll find out. God will know. God will put a spotlight on you, and then we'll know, and we'll ask you to serve in another place. Okay, number three. Oh, in the eye of the storm. I love that song. Y'all heard that song? Ryan Stevenson? Y'all need to listen to that. Jana, can we sing that sometime? I don't know where Jana is, but Corey, Terry, somebody? Sure, Pastor, we can sing that anytime you want to. All right. I'm a servant. Number three, you are trustworthy. Now, let me share some Hebrew with you here. Verses four and five uses uh, a Hebrew word, pakad, and it means, in verse 4, it means, and in verse 5, it says, he was an overseer. Joseph was an overseer. The pakad means to visit and to inspect. And John Maxwell is right. It's not what you expect, but it's what you inspect that gets accomplished. Verse 6, Potiphar totally, completely trusted Joseph. Listen to this, church. Delegated great responsibility to Joseph. Why? Because Joseph was trustworthy. 
I like what Chuck Swindoll says here at this point. He said, here you got a slave, Joseph, who had earned the right to be respected and trusted. And as a result, Potiphar turned everything over to him. I take this to mean that Joseph determined his own schedule, that he organized all of Potiphar's estate and administered all of his finances. Potiphar placed everything in Joseph's hands, end of quote. Why? Because he was trustworthy. He had integrity. He had honesty. He had that fortitude of spirit about him that you, you give me anything to do, and I will do it. Not only will I do it, I will do it at my dead level best. I'm not going to complain about it. I'm not going to moan about it and groan about it. Just ask me, and I will do it. Man, the hand of God's all over that. The hand of God is not over people that moan and groan and complain and whimper and whine. God's hand is not on you. I am sorry. Somebody else's hand might be on you, but God's hand is not on you. Does your employer trust you? Can your employer say, man, she's the deal. I can entrust, I can entrust everything to her. I'm going to brag on my wife for a minute. Can I brag on my wife for a minute? Sure, pastor, go ahead. Brag on your wife if that's what you want to do. My wife works right down the street here at the urology team. Hope I never have to go there. Amen. It's the urology people. Right over here is a whole pack of them, a, a doctors. And she's worked there for about a year, and they came to her the other day, and they said, we want, to do, we want you to do something. We want you to put you over all the payroll. Now, you just don't ask anybody to do that, Blake, unless they're trustworthy. And so now my wife is... I said, did you ask for a raise, baby? I mean, did it give you some more responsibility? She said, no, I didn't. That's the right answer. You know what? Just be faithful. And, and I've watched my wife as she was uh, working as a secretary and admin there. And now they, they've moved her up to, to payroll. And she goes, those doctors make a lot of money. Amen. I, she knows that. You know, she sees that. But she wouldn't say a word about it because she's trustworthy. Does, does your employer trust you? Potiphar trusted Joseph completely. Luke 16.10 says, He who is faithful in what is least is faithful in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is unjust in much. And if you can't do a good job with the small and the minuscule, then you, you do not deserve a promotion. You, you need to demonstrate that you are trustworthy. Service precedes serious promotion. I have a story here, but I'm going to omit it. And if you want to hear it, you can get the manuscript. I think it's a good story, but I don't have time to share it. Don't y'all love that when pastors say stuff like that? You said, that could be the reason I came to church, and you didn't share that story. Well, it's almost 12 o'clock, so I'm going to keep going. Number four. In the eye of the storm, God, thank you, you remain in control. You are blessed, he says, uh, successful, verse 2. The Lord made him prosper in verse 3. If you're looking at the Hebrew, it's the same word. I thought that was interesting. Look at your Bibles, if you will. In, in Genesis 39, verse 2, it says, Joseph was a successful man. Verse 3 said, the Lord made him prosper. If you want to circle both of those words, and write the word 
salak, you would have it. Salak is one Hebrew word that's translated in verse 2 as successful and in verse 3 as prosper. The word literally means to prosper to the point where it comes upon you mightily and you advance and you are successful. When God is with you, He blesses you. He prospers you. And that's what it says in verse 4. He is a successful man. I don't have many original thoughts, so I'm, I'm going to share this with you all. As I, in my study this week, I, I, really, I really thought about this. And I want to... Sean, can you come here and just help me? Brother, what's your name? Jermaine. Jermaine. Come up here, Jermaine. Let me, let me share with you all. I need one of you all to be Potiphar. That's not real cool, but... Would you be Potiphar? Sure. Okay, you be Potiphar. Um, you got to be Joseph, all right? Yeah. Amen. How long have you been here at our church, brother? A uh, couple months. A couple months? How'd you get here to our church? Uh, Sean. Sean. Y'all, Sean got a big dose of Jesus, and uh, he's been inviting all of his friends, and they come, and they get saved, and they get baptized. It is the coolest, coolest thing. Okay, Potiphar. All right, Potiphar. I need somebody to be God. Okay, I know. I know that's, that's, a, that's, a big, that's a big thing, all right? Felix, you remind me a lot of God, so why don't, why don't you come up here and be, be God for us for just a minute, all right? Amen. We love this guy. God blesses those that he blesses. Okay, come over here, Felix. Y'all, y'all stay there. All right, who are you? I am Potiphar. Potiphar. You're the Lord. Joseph. Joseph. Okay. Watch this. I don't have many original thoughts, but I thought this was good. I need to read it. It's so good. God will bless those who blesses those that God loves. Did y'all see that? God will bless Potiphar simply because Potiphar is blessing and loving Joseph. That's what the text said. In fact, Potiphar, he's going, Shazam! My crops are huge. I mean, inside the house, outside the house, I am prospering like I'll get out. And God's going, that's right. I am blessing you, old reprobate. I am blessing you. Sorry, John, reprobate. Sorry. I am blessing you because you are elevating and blessing Joseph. Isn't that good? Can we thank them for coming? God bless y'all. Thank you. So, the, the principle is find out what God is blessing. You bless it and then get blessed. Hey, God is blessing Great Hills Baptist Church. And it's been pretty cool. Had a guy come to me this week. Praise the Lord. Bless his, bless his soul. He said... Uh, you, you, you were up there last week, and you're talking about we're really behind in giving. I'm like, brother, we're always behind in giving. It's, it's, the, it's the story of my life. And he said, I didn't like that. So here's a check for $100,000. Will this help? And I said, uh, and brother, brother Terry was with me, and he was fanning me because I passed out. I was like, I didn't see, you know. 
So we're not 250,000 overspent. We're, we're about 100,000 over, overspent when you add in some other things. I just want that guy to know, just hold on. It's going to be crazy for him. God just, God just has a way of blessing those who bless those that blesses the ones he loves. I want to close with this story because I, I, I've researched this a lot, and I'm, it's going to make the cut. I'm just, I want you all to hear it, okay? How many of y'all have ever heard the name Drayton McLean? Have you ever heard of Temple, Texas? Okay. By the way, let, let, me, let me just share something with you real quick, in case you get, some of y'all are getting a little nervous. Just because you love God and walk with God does not mean God will make you the president of the United States. It does not mean that he will make you a professional golfer. It does not mean he will make you a Drayton McLean. It may mean you get to die a martyr's death. That may be what you get. But he's worthy, isn't he? If God wants to bless us in that way, then praise the Lord. Let him bless us in that way. But if he doesn't want to bless us that way, then let us be faithful to God. Okay? Well, Drayton McLean is one of those guys. When I, in 1999, I was in Kenya on a mission trip, and this missionary said, Brother Danny, you need to know Drayton McLean. He is the owner of the Houston Astros, and that's when they were really bad. That was many years ago. He senses sold them. I said, well, what's so special about him? He says, listen, he's a multi-billionaire, but he is a very committed follower of Jesus Christ. And Drayton McLean, you, you can find his... Uh, what do you call those things that go up and down the highway? Trucks. Amen. Trucks. They're trucks that has McLean on it. So I, I remember I started researching his life, and I thought, well, what's so good about him? What's so fascinating about him? And this is what I found out. He graduated from Baylor University. Andy Spencer's not here, or he would have he would have shouted, you know, he would have said, Hey, hey, Andy's on his way to Germany, y'all, to teach pastors, to preach in a seminary. Is that not just cool stuff? One of our lay people has left us to go to Germany. He's coming back, right? Kathy, amen. He's coming back. He's listen, guys, that's that's somebody got the hand of God on him. Okay. He graduated from Baylor University, then he went to Michigan State University, got a, an MBA, and his dad said, way to go, son. I'm employing you in the McLean Group, and here's your job for the next 18 months. You're going to take the night shift and be a warehouse man. Y'all know what a warehouse, Jeff, you know what a warehouse man is? It's a guy that picks up stuff, good night, that's heavy, picks up stuff and transfers it for 18 months. The son of the owner of the company with a bachelor's degree and a master's degree is working as a warehouseman. Is that okay? You bet you it's okay. His dad told him, he said, son, if you're a natural leader, it will emerge. And emerge it did. He served for 27 years as the president and CEO of McLean Group, Temple, just north of us here in Austin, multi-billionaire dollar grocery distribution firm headquartered in Temple. He runs a family-owned company, the McLean Group. So I called Drayton McLean. And I didn't think I'd get to talk to him. And I didn't, but that's okay. 
I think I talked to somebody even more important. I talked to Donna, Donna Dobson. She's the keeper of the gate. She's his admin. This was a few years ago. She wrote me a letter, and she said this, I enjoyed visiting with you on the phone. Following are some stories about Drayton McLean. Of course, when I shared with your request with Drayton, he was in awe that you, Pastor, were using him in the same sentence as Abraham Lincoln and Joseph. He won't tell you this, but he's a very generous man, always willing to help others without ever expecting any recognition or anything in return. Yes, yes. That's one trait that is most evident if you spend any time around him. He would much prefer to put others in the limelight than himself. He's a wonderful Christian man. Let me tell you something. If your secretary says that about you, it's true. Because that's one person you can't fool. Because she sees you, she watches you, and she said he is a wonderful Christian man, a true servant. Well, now I'll stop preaching. That's what she said. She said, I'll stop preaching. I hope this information helps you with your sermon. Last year, Jeff Lemon died. Good, godly man. I went to his funeral. And before Jeff died, he told me, he said, Brother Danny, Drayton McLean's group, the McLean group, I worked for them, and when they found out that I was diagnosed with cancer, they personally saw to it, put me on a plane, and sent me to MD Anderson to take care of me to make sure I got the best of care. Isn't that cool? That's the kind of, the kind of people. But here's the coolest part about Drayton McLean. I hope I get to meet him one day. He's just, this thing sounds like a cool guy. He's a member of the First Baptist Church of Temple, Texas. He's a Sunday school teacher and a deacon. Salute. Isn't that cool? A deacon, a Sunday school teacher. That is, that is so cool. And he happens to also be a multi-billionaire, which is cool. When the hand and the favor of God is on you, you know God, you serve others, you're trustworthy, and you're blessed. Please, please hear my heart. I probably should not have to repeat this after being here this long. You, you probably know my heart on this. The, the blessings sometimes don't come financially. Sometimes they don't come materially. You can be just as faithful and serving and trustworthy, and, and you can die a, a poor man and still be, a, be blessed of God. Let me just close with this. Would you rather have? Would you rather have a pot of gold or the peace of God? Man, I take the peace of God any day. The peace that passes all understanding. Some of you here today, I, I, I want to admonish you, I want to encourage you. Today is your day. It's the day when you embrace Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. You say, How do you know that? I just know it. Today's the day. And in a moment, we're going to stand and we'll have an invitation. We ask you to come, give your heart to, what's one old preacher used to say, give your hand to the pastor and give your heart to Jesus. I thought, that's, that's corny, but that's cool. That's good. Give your hand to one of these counselors and give your heart to Jesus and let us lead you in how to have a relationship with God. And you begin to grow in your relationship with God. And that is awesome. And that's what I want you to do today. Many of you need to do that today. Okay? 
Others of you are here today and you need, to, you need to get a part of a church. You need to get involved in a local church. You, you just can't do it alone. Jesus said the church is His bride. And so there's this unique, dynamic, lovely relationship between a human being and the church, and it's mirrored in the relationship of, of Jesus and his, his bride. And so we want you to come and be a part of our family. And I do. I, I want you to be a part of Great Hills. I want you to get involved. I want you to serve. I want you to give. I want you to go on mission. I, I want you to do all those things. I, I do. I, I hope you'll come. God, I pray as I close, there are some here today, Lord, that just need a special touch from you. God, they need a miracle. And I thank you, Lord, that you're a miracle-working God. I'm asking you, Lord, in Jesus' name, that you would heal bodies, that you would save marriages, that you would mostly, God, you would save souls from hell. And, and there would be people who would embrace you as their Lord and Savior. And then, Lord, let them hold on. The devil will hate them, but God, you will be with them. Lord, make them servants and make them trustworthy. And God, would your hand of favor rest upon them. Lord, I pray that you would bless them financially. I think that's cool. But if you choose not to, I pray that you would just bless them in other ways, God. Give them the, the greatest thing, and that's the peace that passes understanding. Give them, a, give them friendships in the Lord. Give them a great family. God, bless those who stand for you, God, and who are going to walk with you. And Lord, if I may just ask you to bless those who have this world's goods. Lord, would you put it upon their hearts to bless our church? Because, Lord, I just know you. I know you love to bless those who bless those that you love. And I know you love this place, God. I know you love this church. And so, Lord, would you bless our invitation? Thank you for church family. Thank you. Thank you for your patience. I normally don't go this long, but I just, I just felt like I had to today. I just felt like this was a message God had given me. Uh, I hope you receive it. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Would you stand to your feet? God bless you. Stand. Corey, would you lead us in a great, great song? Have some pastors and some deacons and some counselors up here at the front. Would you come? Would you let somebody encourage you? Would you let somebody pray for you today? Would you give your heart to Christ today? Would you come forward and say, hey, this is my church. I, I need to be a part of Great Hills Baptist Church, the Radiant Church. I, wanna, I want in on what God is doing. God bless you as you come.